Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 251st episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We are powered by Apit.net and those sexy legends over at Audio Technica. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan 8-Bit. And joining me today, my podcast, Right or Dies, plural, the uh, Shelly and Remy to my man in black. You can find them on the socials at Miss Ali Hart and at Jono himself, respectively. We're talking obviously about Miss Ali Hart and Australia's Jono Peck. Welcome to the 255th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. What up? I love that intro. I think... Ali's very much a Remy and I'm very much a Shelly, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talk about ride or die, I'm ride or death. I'm borderline dead right now. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, full disclosure, Miss Hart is battling some ailments at the moment, but uh, she she's summoned the energy, summoned the the necessary uh, you know, internal strength to uh, to push through and deliver you the best hungry gamers yet. Mm. Yes. Debatable, <laughs> but they're all pretty great. 250 was pretty fantastic. So, And it was a marathon one too. So maybe that's factoring into Ali's like, you know, ailments right now. Still recovering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a journey. It was the largest or longest episode. And I guess maybe largest episode to date. Um, it, it was a it was a thing. And um, thanks for all the positive feedback and all the love on that one. It was, it was a little different to our usual video game pop culture centric banter but we had a lot of fun with it it's good to know that all you listeners out there have been enjoying that uh you know two and a half hour jaunt Mm. as well so good (laughs) many many memories many many um things that were said that uh you know probably should have got taken back here or there but that's not how we roll (laughs) we uh we own those statements and move forward and post them on the internet for everyone to hear that's it that's it. And then, um, you know, some more statements that we're going to be posting on the internet today and uh, on those podcast airwaves. We've got, uh, yeah, we've got Australia's John Peck on board, uh, obviously one part of the 8-bit Megazord machine, <laughs> podcast host extraordinaire, writer, narrative director, sound engineer. Now, you name Singer. it, you add it to his business card. It Song is ever flowing. We're a rapper now. Songwriter, rap. rapper, amateur barber, family man. <laughs> wing chef you know the list goes on and on and on but uh we thought it would be very very sort of apt to bring him in today because uh that his first ever video game he's been working on is now officially out in the wilderness we're talking about rain bites trigger witch so uh jono first and foremost congratulations your video game cherry has been taken and it seems that um (laughs) it's a tasty cherry and the world has been enjoying it yeah for the most part it's had some really great feedback which has been really encouraging really cool to see i've just been living deep in the weeds on all the content that's been popping up between the reviews which have been really cool and like let's plays and uh watching a few people stream the game which is pretty surreal and and wild so yeah just living that uh that trigger witch life this week and taking it all in trying to trying to enjoy it and interact with people that are posting and tweeting about it and picking it up on on the sales and everything it's on all consoles so there's no like really barriers to 
who can play it, which is great. You've you've certainly become the uh, at least on on what I see on my socials the the face of Trigger, which one might say you are you are on the front lines there. You're responding to fans and peers and media. You know, getting very witty and very very comedically timed with your social shares as well. You've uh, you've been nailing the responses <laughs> and the tweets. So. Keep it up. But yeah, we've we've been fortunate enough to be playing Trigger Witch for the last several weeks, working our way through this little ditty. Mm. And so we thought we'd do a little bit of a spoiler three, uh, spoiler-free review, pseudo preview for people out there that haven't yet got the game. Maybe you can give us a bit of inside baseball yeah. behind the curtain type of stuff. And it's kind of like just um, have a bit of banter. It's kind of like, is it uh, Huckleberry Finn who attends his own funeral? Yep, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like old Huck it's Finn. kind of like that being here while the game's reviewed. I'm just going you know, <laughs> to yeah. lean forward. Yes, yes. <laughs> what else do you have to say about me? <laughs> That's it. Now, then we're going to chase you out of town while you navigate down a river on a little wood raft. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't know if you've got a river close by, but uh, we're coming for you. Mm. Socially distanced, of course. But uh, yeah, Trigger Witch. It's um. I think I can probably speak for for both of us here, Miss Hart. Oh. This is this is a genre and a style of game that you and I aren't, I guess, too familiar with or regular partakers in. No, definitely not. Not something that I would normally play. Yeah. So, uh, twin stick shooter, uh, with with a you know sixteen bit esque art style in the vein of early Zelda games mm-hmm. and 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 other games of that ilk. A lot of lot of charm, a lot of heart. Uh, very very nice fantasy world that you built out there in uh, Evertonia. Great cast of characters, but then you combine that with the hyperviolence of a lot of modern day weaponry, where you are blowing little little creatures to bits yeah. by the second. That's it. It's uh, I've been described like the, the every single review has made some kind of like Zelda with guns reference, and that's the easiest way to pitch it because that's you know it, it makes sense and it's something that some people have maybe wondered about over the years, but. I've been saying it's like Zelda made by Quentin Tarantino because the, the blood is just splattering and there's like, you know, a, a couple other maybe things that make it like that that I won't uh, get into for spoiler reasons. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's um it's definitely got a hook to it that catches people's eye in that hyper-violence on top of the cutesy kind of sprites and... You know, you can pat all the pets in the game, like little turtles and hamsters and dogs, and people love that. And then you walk out of the village and suddenly you're blasting animated or reanimated mushrooms and onions and um, imps and stuff to smithereens and walking through their guts. So, yeah, it's um, it's something. <laughs> the, the kill count and the gem count accompanying that is very high. But uh, for those that I guess want to just be fully embedded in the cutesy dynamic of trigger which there is an option where you can turn the blood mode off and instead it goes uh pinata style and mm. you get a lot of confetti and candy getting thrown yeah. around the place and candy so <laughs> that that's a nice little touch a nice little touch because i know some people out there in the internets did get a little sensitive about the apparently pro-gun nature of this game and <laughs> romanticizing <laughs> violence and gunplay and you know like come on anyway we don't, we don't want to go t- too far down that rabbit hole but it's been fun it's been it was a challenge, like not a challenge, challenge is probably far too severe, but like just remapping my brain to to sort of adjust to this gameplay style. The two sticks, yeah. Yeah, going, going, to the, going to the twin stick shooter mentality when I'm used to playing, you know, 
I play a lot of Apex these days and, and been playing like Death's Door at the same time as this, as well as um, Pokemon Unite and stuff. So just sort of rewiring my thought processes for games to to the twin stick style took a, took a minute. But once once I settled in, it was smooth as butter after that. Like I really enjoyed that frenetic, frantic, not even like minute to minute. It was almost like second to second gameplay and insanity where... I'm just blowing everything to bits come rhyme or reason mm. and there's just viscera everywhere and there's gems flying. My little bat's getting all my stray gems. <laughs> uh, you know, bless bless little little batty. Well, I called Ronald. him... Um, what, well, Miss Hart, did you, did you grab the bat? Have you got the bat? I've got the bat now. Ronald. What did you... What, Ronald? You went Ronald as well. Good to see. Yeah. Good Ronald see. is the cannon choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, is, if, is there a way to get metrics? So I, it's not no, really like it's a spoiler, so. but not a spoiler. You can get a little little bat companion early in the game and he, he finds secrets and, and picks up stray gems from the enemies you kill. And there's two naming options. Hmm. I can't even remember the other naming option. I just Bat- went Ronald because it's, it's the best. Yes, yeah, Batty and is, is it Batty? Ronald. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. I, I nailed it beforehand without even thinking. But anyway, this game... It's cute, it's charming, it's got a fun little narrative to it. The characters are well fleshed. It's very Australia's John O'Peck though in the writing. Oh, like so much. Is that a good so thing? Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is. Like and and probably the, the games world en masse would not obviously think that because they don't know you yeah. like we know you. They don't talk to you on the daily like we do. Mm. But like just some of the mannerisms and the tones and the the, the the dad jokes and the way they things are getting described. I'm like, yep, that's that's just Jono with a wig on. That's Jono <laughs> with a different hair color. There, that's female Jono, and you know, it's 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 great to see, and it's it's got your uh, your wholesome charm sprinkled all the way through it, which uh, you know made this game mm. a treat to play. That's very kind. Uh, there was definitely a review that mentioned the awful dad jokes, but they like said it in a in a positive way. And that really made me stop for a minute and go, yeah, I guess there are uh, a lot of uh, dad jokes and puns in the trophies and that kind of thing, which a lot of people seem to enjoy. It's probably not for everyone. I but there's also you. just... Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that yeah, was the one yeah. I just groaned at. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, it's a Simpsons reference. There's so many pop culture references. Yes. Like I, I, I More than I even realized and more than p- people playing will realize because they won't necessarily pick up on all of them for example like in the in the tutorial there's a boss and there's like a moment where where she says like now you're in big big trouble which is like a billy madison reference when when he's playing like dodgeball with those little kids and uh that's like something that's probably less obvious than like the lord the lord of the rings references or the harry potter references so yeah it's it's fun for me just to see who notices these things i've been noticing as I went through, I wrote down some of my favorite ones, like Hoppus, the arena, uh, the Clark person. Um, I really enjoyed um, the two classes of wine that was at a table in a tent and it ended with inconceivable. Um, Mm. And um, (laughs) Princess Bride love right there. (laughs) I'm like, oh, like it kind of made me feel like I didn't know that these kind of references would make it into a game. But I needed to know that if Prisoner of Society was a reference or just wording (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I, I think that was intentional. Okay. <laughs> Chris Sheeney is, is toasting to yeah. your successes right now. It worked. It, it worked for the... It's not like I've just yeah, rammed it, was, it in there. But yeah. yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, was this intentional? Um, put a question mark next to it. So. Yeah. But I love it. I love the little references in there. And then like if you, if, if you know me like really well, like you guys do... Like there's even podcast references in there. Like there's mm-hmm. this basketball podcast that Brendan and I listen to that ends with "Embrace the day," and that's a quote. And there's obviously also spoilers, a "Stay hungry, a stay hungry, stay humble" reference in there. So shout out to the hungry gamers. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a nice little touch seeing things like that. So Miss Hart, mm. this this was our first foray into the, into this world. What what did you think about it? Like what's what's your impressions? What's your what's your vibe? What's your marbo at the moment marbo. as far as Trigger Witch? Because because you haven't fully rolled credits yet, but you're close to you're well on your way. Yeah, I'm very very close to it. I like hit some hurdles, but that's I guess my own fault for going in on hard mode. But I think. <laughs> By me going in on hard mode, I'm now really fucking good at this game. Like it's been a, it's been a cakewalk now. Um, I, I think there's like levels. Like um, I was telling Brendan about my arena experience, and then I just got a little too cocky, and I was like getting up to like sixty thousand, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I should, yeah, I should probably on hard mode, JP. Yeah. On <laughs> hard mode. And so I was just like, I could see, I could see me spending a lot of time in the arena just because that's just chaotic fun. Um, it is but fun, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously, <laughs> although after there's some discussion with you on how to play the game, you mentioned that you only died like five times in your entire run, and I was like, oh, I die all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I die all the time, but it's a learning curve, right? Right? Yeah. I like, and I just like, and you're playing on hard, like that's harder than what I played. At yeah, all. yeah. So I just like to go in, just guns blazing, as you know, as you'd expect with a game like yeah. this, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of chaotic fun, and um, my husband's pretty excited now because I've played a game like this because he wants me to play Enter the Gungan. Gungeon? Okay. And the Gungeon? That's a step up. Like, I, I tried playing that, and because it's a roguelite, it's got that added element where, like, if you die, then too bad oh. if you really like that gun you had, because now you've got nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. but I, I, I think, but it's just purely based on this experience, because like, I normally wouldn't have played, like, this would not be the kind sure. of games on my radar, but now because I've had this experience and on hard mode, I'm feeling pretty cocky and confident mm. in playing these games now. So, it's been great. It's a great entry point. Yeah, there's been like a, a few reviews that have mentioned that the game's too easy, which if you are like av- well averse in this genre, I can see how that could be the case. But there is obviously like the difficulty options. You can make it as hard or as simple as you want. And, you know, upgrading your guns uh, is something that makes the game, I think it makes it more enjoyable because you feel more powerful, but it certainly mm. makes the game feel a bit easier as you get into the second half especially if you have a gun of choice that you just want to make super overpowered mm-hmm. which which i did but um I, I think that's one good thing about this game too is that it rewards you for your exploration like the the map is big and diverse but like hunting every nook and cranny going into the caves and off the beaten track you find either more gems or weapon upgrade components and things like that. So you are getting rewarded for your exploration, which will then ultimately make your journey a little easier. So yeah, taking that extra time to to hunt out certain items or objects or, or see what's behind that door, so to speak, will will be beneficial in the long run. So I'd, I'd certainly explore not just... Uh, in like implored not to just go sort of the the linear path get off that beaten track see what's 
in this next area of this certain type of the map yeah. or, or go into that cave hunt down like if you hear an enemy or see an enemy hunt them down find it because typically they'll be around some form of chest and you can get uh you know rewarded for Sweet that loop. so uh yeah get get them gems get them parts because yeah once you start upgrading not only your weapons but then also increasing your health and additional then health pots that you can get through certain things in the game as well it's really going to help like by the end of the game i felt like i was in god mode because i had everything you know pretty well fully leveled up my health was maxed i had enough pots to see me through and i was just mowing down everything that's without breaking too much of a sweat and it was fun i like that because that kind of works into the narrative of uh you know colette is at the start this person who's first experiencing her taste of adventure and the outside world and by the end of it she's much more powerful and comfortable with combat and blasting dudes yeah she she's pretty much the witch supreme by the end of it so uh it's nice to see that that personal personal growth with colette the the sort of lead that you you control throughout your time in this game and you meet a fun assortment of characters from all walks of life i love that most of them are just sarcastic which i can relate to (laughs) very 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 greatly and um it's just nice it's it's charming and i like that it's juxtaposed against all this bloodshed you know, it's this cutesy 16-bit adorable world and then you just cover it in blood or pinata dust, you know, whichever way you want to go. And I've got to say as well, the soundtrack to this game or this the score to this game is three chef's kisses. It's so good. It's so good and diverse and fun and... 80s to the like to the core and you know there's this sort of synth and chip tune and like rock and metal vibes in there like there's there's a taste for every musical musical flavor out there it is rad it's on spotify and Bandcamp and everything now so you can check that out very talented uh, composer in new zealand finn uh finnegan so shout out to him and obviously all the rainbow boys that uh, worked on this game and, and brought him in and brought me into to help out but yeah i love the the soundtrack and the fact that like every almost every song has like the light version that's like the almost 90s midi kind of rpg style fantasy vibes and then when combat begins it turns into like seamlessly turns into that power ballad metal kind of what mm. uh vibe yeah and it just it just rocks yeah it gets you hyped it really does gets gets the toes tapping the blood flowing. I've had to listen clearly now ever since you kind of mentioned how you got some of the sound bites for the game now that you've told me like uh, special guests kind of feature within the game now. <laughs> so I've been kind of like listening a little bit more intently because um, um, knowing that uh, it's it's been of a family affair. Yeah. So as well as writing the story, I did this, the sound effects. So all the gun noises and the magic s- sounds and the creature Noises were a big part of that. So every time you kill a creature or a monster, they make some kind of noise. And a lot of those noises are my infant son crying on on the floor (laughs) of this room last year uh, in lockdown. And I was like, you know... Did you just have to smack him to get him to cry (laughs) and then you recorded it? It was was more like, hey, if you're not going to stop crying, I'm going to hit record and I'm going to turn this into something. So, you know, make hay when the sun shines, I guess, or... If life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And, and I, you know, took those little noise clips and pitched them up or pitched them down and turned them into monsters getting blown into pieces, which is uh, kind of uh, 
weird when you're playing it and like I'm playing through the game finally after like a year after doing all this stuff and hearing like him <laughs> in the game and feeling that conflict of like, oh, I just blasted away this little imp and it reminds me of my kid. <laughs> yeah. I guess that is a bit bittersweet where you see all that hard work and then realize that that's sort of a reflection on your little man. But it's it's he might be just about the youngest voice actor mm. in gaming history. Like, obviously, I don't have any facts and figures in front of me, but I'd say he's certainly up there. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Unbeknownst Which is to pretty him. damn cool. It's gonna be great on his like yeah, you, when he gets when older. He, when he comes of age, yeah. he's suing you for all the royalties. He's like, Dad, pay up, son. Yeah, he'll he'll get it back in in some way. I'm sure. Yeah, but um, it's it's a pleasure to play. the The gunplay is great and varied. Like there is an assortment of weapons. Like not gonna go down the spoiler path. Uh, you know, would be trigger which players can discover them all themselves. But there's a nice variety of of weaponry at your disposal they all feel different they sound different they obviously act different in the game as well and it's cool because there is a weapon for every play style i guess you could say you know you want to get in the face you want to be long long range a little bit you just want to spray and pray it's all there Mm. Uh, but it's fun and uh, the controls are really intuitive as well as far as jumping between weapons um, I really like that obviously you can map them to the D-pad, but then you can also have your, your L1 or your LB button to, to hot swap between, I guess, your, your two quote-unquote favorites. Yeah. So you can just sort of jump between those two. The, the movement and sort of your, your sort of your blink ability, I guess you could you could call it, for, the, for those dash, that are under, yeah. understanding what that is, your dash, your blink ability, that's great in combat because there is many an enemy coming at you all the time and you <laughs> having that dash to sort of get away and have that half a second to breathe and reevaluate the situation or reload or plan your next steps is so helpful. So having those two dash up, like those two dash dashes mm. on cooldown really, really help. Yeah. After playing like Returnal and having to like really learn how to use that dash, I felt like that was good prep for Trigger Witch, especially like some of the boss fights, they have like similarities to to the combat there where there's like maybe a ring of fire or something and you you know because you've got like because i had return all in my brain i was like okay instead of avoiding this ring of fire i'm gonna dash through it and then keep keep the combat coming so yeah it's it, it ch- can change the way you play and can get you out of some nasty situations mm. until they remove mm. the barriers <laughs> indeed <laughs> Miss, Miss, so Miss Hart, you're you're sort of yeah, well, well entrenched in the Trigger Witch world right now. Mm-hmm. What what's been some of your biggest takeaways that you've found from the game so far? And anything else you wanted to sort of highlight before maybe we could see if Jono wants to give us a little behind the curtain, give us some some inside goss on things that maybe he hasn't spoken about on other podcasts. I just think the overall transition between, for, well, for me especially from like early stage of the game and then like fully immerse yourself in the game, like the 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 hurdle i guess was that of learning how to play the game is pretty fluid like i don't feel like there was like you know i i adapted really quickly and for me that's pretty important to a game because everyone knows how stubborn i am if i don't get something right away and i usually drop (laughs) something so um i i really got fully immersed in the game and learned it really quickly um and i have been enjoying it um 
the other thing is is that I I really enjoy the stage design. There's like a lot of um, memories from old games that I used to play when I was little, and just like um, a lot of memories of like stage design. Like I mentioned that I really like the mining section with all the gems and everything. There's a some memory there of a game that I've played in the past that I can't seem to grab, but it, it definitely um definitely woken the child of the gamer in me. So, um, but it's an adorable game. I love how it matches cutesiness violence and sarcasm which i think is pretty much me in a, num- in a nutshell so um but <laughs> it's been great so you're not violent ellie that you know of. <laughs> <laughs> some of those looks she can give yeah. you uh sort of imply violence can come your way if you're not careful sure. so uh yeah I, I agree like it's 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 a nice throwback but with a modern modern spin exactly. to it it's it's unlike a lot of these uh you know rpg sort of top-down view styles from yesteryear but it combines yeah that that sort of twin stick insanity with with some modern sarcasm and tongue-in-cheekness and it's it's just cool to see like um yourself and the the crew over at rainbite have done really well and it's awesome to see that it's getting reviewed so positively around the globe mm. uh, you know we're, we're trying to obviously give some non-biased opinions and reviews here obviously you're you're one of our best mates and um you know we know jared pretty well and stuff like that but you know no rose-colored glasses here this is this is sort of honest and that's what we sort of do here and and it's been fun like i've really enjoyed it it's unlike the games i typically play on the daily but it was a nice step outside the comfort zone you could say that's cool yeah yeah it's it's a genre that that yeah i'm not too embedded in and it was it felt fun um the game, I think it was paced really well. Like I think all up, I might have clocked it at about seven to eight hours all mm-hmm. up total runtime. So it um yeah. it was a nice tight condensed package. Story was cool, soundtrack was cool, characters were great, gunplay was great. Like overall, I had a good good fun time with with the experience. We we both played on Xbox, so um yeah, we're, we're mm. playing both on Xbox Series X. Obviously, the game is available on, on PlayStation as well as Nintendo Switch. So you've got a, a slew of consoles you can get your hands on uh, for Trigger Witch. Um, but yeah, I reckon get out there, give it a go, support local devs, support good people. And, you know, this game, it's it's priced really well. It's, it's what, 22 bucks, I think, on the Switch store. Yeah, it's 10% off. Like uh, all the consoles have it on sale basically for launch. So it's probably 20 bucks. I think it's like 10% off for a, a certain amount of time probably like the first few weeks or a month so uh yeah 20 bucks which i, th- I think is pretty good price point for a game that's you know eight to ten hours long and has you know mm. co-op if you want to replay with kids or with boyfriend girlfriend whatever it might be i think ha- like I'm, I'm really i was listening to a podcast that covered the game yesterday and i was really excited to hear them talk about like playing it with his son one of the hosts and how it was like his son's new obsession and when can we play trigger witch again and i was just like oh that's so cool like they didn't even know there was the pinata mode at that point so he's just playing this hyper violent game with his kid blasted blasting away like uh vegetables you know enchanted vegetables or whatever i may have subjected a niece of four years old to that as well she wanted to play (laughs) no pinata mode for the niece someone forgot to turn it on but um, mm. she had fun. Just, just say it's to... tomato sauce. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah. you could say, you know, you blast away the onion and well, tomato I took sauce back to... pops out. <laughs> I took her back to like home base village and she went and petted all the animals and she yeah. loved it. 
That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the idea that some kid could potentially, you know, grow up with nostalgia for this game. And like when you think about the games you played as a kid, especially mm-hmm. if you managed to play them with a parent or something, like we just heard about Brendan and Mama with uh, Mortal Kombat and, and Donkey Kong Country and, and that kind of thing. Like it, the, the thought of some kid having cherished memories with their siblings or parents is so like endearing and, and touching to me that that could potentially be something they grow up with and and think back fondly on i love that idea and i deliberately like you know i mean you know me anyway but i deliberately tried to keep the story like family friendly and as much as it's a violent game mm. it's uh it's you know i think you can pass by with with the pinata mode and, and keep it from being too confronting despite all the guns <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think I think tonally it's fantastic for for old gamers, middle aged gamers, and as as confirmed by yourselves and, and some of these other reviewers for for the younger gaming generation as well. Like the the controls are intuitive, but like give you enough of a challenge to feel you've got to work for some of these victories. And and hearing that these young kiddos, like you said, a, a four year old niece was was slapping this game around <laughs> with you, Miss Hart. That's that's awesome to hear. And um, yeah, may, maybe you've got yourself some future fans there, JP. Maybe, maybe. I know that Hannah's having a bit of trouble with the twin sticks. She doesn't play a lot of games, but uh, I'm trying to. We're trying to get through it. <laughs> you playing together, doing co op? Yeah, it's it's a bit of a balance between don't like her not wanting me to like kill every enemy on the screen for her and her struggling with the the gameplay so it's like how much do i sit back versus make sure like try and protect her her character (laughs) don't worry it's uh, it's it's good fun playing with my husband he um kept on catching me on fire with a certain button by pressing the button at the wrong time and i was constantly running around on fire so in the the ice dungeon i didn't realize that there there was like friendly fire that's cool yes well (laughs) you press a button and the fire appears and then i just so happened to be standing there totally an accident of course again sorry (laughs) i've got to ask because i've only played this solo with the co-op the this the second character that come in what's what's the name of the other character or is it just you know bizarro colette yeah they're just like they're basically just a clone of Colette with a pink instead of a, a bluish purpley robe and they yep. disappear in cutscenes. So we haven't incorporated that into the, the story. Okay. I, w- I was, yeah. I wanted to make it like canon where it's like you summon a familiar, or like a, a conjuring of yourself or like a, an alternate universe version of yourself, but it was a bit too complex to, yeah. to get in there. Cause you have to like explain it in the story and then people have the option of using it or not. And it was just a bit much. So we just, the game starts and pops up with a, a message saying co-op is available. Just press start on a second controller. Mm. No, we'll, we'll just say it's the human embodiment of Ronald the Bat. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> sure. yeah, but but it's it's fantastic. It's it's tons of fun to play. It's available right now on every, on every sort of console-based platform. Mm. Yeah. Single player, local cop, however you want to play it, whatever your flavor is, get amongst it. Kill all the imps and bad vegetables and, and have a good time and write down all those Easter eggs because there are many. <laughs> there are many. And uh, for those that have finished and want to talk about it in more detail, hit us up on them socials if you want and we mm. can uh, have, have a chat in those messages because yeah. you don't want to spoil 
the game and the story for everybody. But yeah, if you want to talk about some of those things that you dealt with or uncovered or discovered on your Trigger Witch journey at Brendan8bit, at Jono himself, at Miss Ali Hart, or at We Are 8Bit, drop into those DMs and we can uh, have a Trigger Witch discussion. Yeah. There's also a spoiler cast dropping with our friend Drew Agnew from the House of Mario, which will go live later this week, I believe. So you can, you know, if you want to hear some of the inside stories about how things came about or just covering all the, the plot twists between the different characters' side stories to the main story, then you can check that out with me and Drew. Sounds good. Sounds good. Obviously, just search The House of Mario on all good podcast players and you'll find that episode this coming week as well. JP, have you got any Have you got any other other tips or facts or random things you want to throw out there that you haven't talked about on other podcasts yet give us give us the good juice we want Ugh. that uh <laughs> we want that special lemonade uh we don't want just the run of the mill stuff we want the the hot tips the inside stuff mm. give us give us the hotness please and thank you this is this is tough because i've done like four or five podcasts already so Maybe i'm trying to think is there anything i haven't said you know how i love to talk uh, that's true make it up if you like Sure. Just make up I'll, a cool story. I'll, 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 I'll talk about like some of the names of, of like the characters. Like they're named after some of them are named after people I know. There's a a Jack and a Tom and a Bren in the mine that you might have noticed. And the Bren even says that he's extremely humbled. So that's a, a nice little reference to to uh, yourself there, Mister White. And yeah, I I had some had some issues that I was a big angry ginger, <laughs> but uh, you know what. It's, it's, I've, hey. I've got I've got red in my beard, so I can't sort of deny it too much. I'm like, there's there's the onset there that I could be this minor. It's okay. I think the the one that's Tom, which uh, if people don't know, like Jack and Tom is a reference to our friend Jack Cruz uh, and Tom Marshall also uh, in in our little online community. But um, the Tom one is like is a black character with I think a white beard. So you know you got a lot closer to yourself than than he did at least and. Um, yeah, there's there's uh some characters that are named after like there's um Hakeem in the in the Goblin Village, which is just like Micah backwards, and there's obviously a you mentioned like a Hoppus or M- Moppus uh, Goblin character, which is a shout out to my my uh, hero Mark Hoppus from Blink One Eighty Two, and a lot like all the witches are named after gun parts, so you've got you might not have noticed or, or like gun brands. So Remy's like, you know, Remington. Then there's like Winch and there's, um, there's Colette and that's the cult and Hilda is the part of the gun. And it's just, I think Rainbite had that idea to, to ingrain the, the religion of guns into that town as much as possible with the chamber and the clip and the stock and all these little gun references to to hone in the fact that this is a society that's just obsessed with guns there's also a, a location called i think mertnagurt swamp which <laughs> is literally i just went to google maps and searched for a swamp and it was around the corner kind of from where i live so that's a, a real location apparently i'll have to go and check it out <laughs> go get some photos down there get yeah. some awesome press photos done behind the scenes mertnagurt swamp <laughs> And uh, what else can I tell you? Uh, there is, I've, I've, I've said this on Twitter, like the voice of the man in black is is myself and the voice of the witches is 
my wife Hannah. So I didn't when I was doing the sound design, I didn't splurge on any voice actors. I just looked around the house <laughs> mid pandemic and thought, what can I use? So that was <laughs> that was a good my way. family. Yeah. <laughs> Pan to your family and then a mirror. Like- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unpaid labor. It's, it's the way to go. I could have I could have hit up Miss Ali Hart, but, but then I was like, well, then we have to pay her and you know put a name in the credits, and it's, it's a whole thing. So I'll just get Hannah to read the letters of the alphabet out loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's that's and that's how it was done. Yeah, the magic. Yeah. Amidst the the panic and strain and stress of COVID, a game was made. So uh, it's it's nice to see. Yeah, get your hands on it. If you want to talk to Jono about the game in more detail, obviously at Jono himself, or if you want to reach out to Rainbite, find them on the socials. They're a fantastic, friendly bunch. They're New Zealanders, you know. They're, they're the nicest people in the world. So uh, they're up there. You got any questions, comments, concerns? Send them, send them, send them their way, and tell them the Hungry Game essential. But yeah, do yourselves a favor especially people that are stuck currently in lockdown. You're looking for a nice distraction, a bit of escapism. Get your hands on a copy of Trigger Witch to, uh, you know, just help help ease the stresses and strains of mm. this uh, COVID situation running rampant all over the world and especially uh, right now here in New South Wales. You know, be safe, our Sydney friends. Be smart, yeah. be safe, wear a mask. Don't go to protest. Don't be those people. But uh, get your hands on a copy of Trigger Witch because it's well worth your time and your money and will help mm. little indie studio keep making more games like this. Yeah, and I want to say like thanks to you guys for having me on to talk about it and for playing it and helping and you know letting me know about some of the, the bugs and stuff that we can fix before the masses experience them, hopefully. Uh, on top of that, I know some of your listeners have already picked up the game, so thanks to people who've been really enthusiastic out there. I think some of them have even probably picked up the physical editions that are available through Play Asia. So if you want to pick it up on Switch, I think there's still some of the special editions left, and there's a PS5 port that's coming later. There's physical editions for that too, and they come with a a soundtrack and a, a nice little instruction manual if you're old school and, and miss the days that the games came with a manual that's got like some unique text in it and just a, a few little goodies and bits of art there which is um, i'm really a big fan of the art so i'm looking forward to having that little that little box on my shelf too no uh, it's it's a great uh, great showpiece there so for, for physical collectors yeah head over to play asia uh east asia soft sorry and you'll be able to pick it up no, yeah, it's, play it's asia play might asia. sell it too yeah it is, it it is play through asia. play asia yeah yeah I bought many things on there over the years. Oh, yeah. Great website. Great. <laughs> Any, anytime you can't find stuff locally, PlayAsia is the way to go. So that's uh, that brings us to the end of sort of what we've been playing. All right. So a quick bit of housekeeping. Obviously, if you wanted to support us and 8-Bit as a whole, you can do so monetarily over at ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-Bit. We've got some tiered subscription levels there starting from one AUD per month scaling all the way up and with that subsequent scale you get exclusive access to swag additional merch additional perks so head on over to Kofi and check that out uh, we've also got a new giveaway that's going to be kicking off on August the 1st where you can get yourself an Audio Technica ATH G1WL wireless gaming headset as well as some 8-bit related swag so check out those socials this week there'll be posts up on at we are 8-bit on Twitter and also on the IG on how you can get in enter super simple to enter cost you no money takes next to no time and you can win yourself a ton 
of free swagger. We're talking maybe collectively four to 500 bucks worth of stuff. So what are you waiting for? Get on in, get your entries in, and uh, hopefully you can win yourself some stuff there. Uh, but firstly, before we get into some news, what do you guys feel like doing a little bit of an AT read? You up to that? Uh, am I first? No, you're first, aren't you? Yeah. Brendan and Ali and listeners, whether you're a budding podcaster, streamer, YouTuber, hardcore couch gamer, or just an audiophile, Audio Technica has you covered with the best range of audio equipment in the market today. If you've listened to us at least once before, there's a strong chance you have heard us talk about our podcast origin story and the fact that Audio Technica have been with us from the very beginning. Our first ever mics that we hungry gamed into were the AT2020. And as we all know, you never forget your first. Giddy up. Navigating the world of video game and pop culture with leaders in audio-based equipment has been quite the journey. The news night might not always be the most positive, but our audio quality most certainly is. Audio Technica are your audio-based one-up. And listeners, you can up your game with the ATH G1WL wireless headset with a detachable mic, 15-hour battery charge time, allowing you to seamlessly go from the battlefield to the streets. If wireless gaming headsets aren't your thing, fear not, as Audio-Technica can upgrade your vinyl recording listening experience with a sexy range of turntables. It can improve your KD ratio via their market-leading assortment of microphones, or just improve your general listening experience thanks to their wide range of headphones that come with all the latest bells and whistles. We're talking Bluetooth, noise cancelling, in-ear or over-ear. There truly is something for everybody over at audio-technica.com.au. Get on it, listeners. You need it, you want it, they've got it, you get it. This week's news headlines... All right, and the first bit of news, a couple of quick hitters here doing the rounds. Obviously, it's been a few weeks since we've done the the rounds of video game news and hypothesizing and things like that. So we're just trying to grab things that are relevant from this past week. And the first one, uh, The Witcher Monster Slayer has generated over 500,000 US dollars in its first week on the back of 1 million downloads on iOS and Android. So obviously this is the uh, the new Witcher mobile version that was released at WitcherCon a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, you know, City Project Red continue to print money and that franchise continues to crush it. Either of yourselves going to download and play this game? Any interest? No interest? Uh, not me. No. <laughs> I'm a huge Witcher fan, but I honestly haven't looked into this at all. I might have to just suss it out to see what the kind of vibe and gameplay is because... I love myself some Gwent. I love The Witcher in every kind of version we've seen. I haven't read the books, but, uh, you know, TV show, games. So, I don't know. I'll have to check it out. I'm glad it's doing well because uh, CD, Pro- CD Project Red probably need the, um, you know, the step some in. positive yeah, press. Yeah, <laughs> the step into good favor again. I think, like, they couldn't put Witcher content out sooner enough to get the taste out of people's mouths with Cyberpunk and... Uh, win back some of that goodwill that they've lost mm. well it's it's finally on the playstation store after all these months the old uh, cyberpunk and it's apparently selling pretty well to no one's surprise so yeah. uh yeah city project red just making all that cash uh the next little quick hitter war for wakanda the next big expansion for marvel's the avengers stealth takes its way onto consoles and pc on august the 16th 
JP, you and I were big advocates for this game in the early stages, have mm-hmm. since left the Marvel's universe very swiftly. Uh, <laughs> we've been killed off. We are we are gone. We're no longer part of this world. But are you going to go back on August the 16th and uh, play as Black Panther and uh, etch out your way through this, this expansion? Uh, first of all, I just have to correct myself because CD Projekt Red had nothing to do with that mobile game. I, I don't remember if you mentioned the developer or not but i just have to like x out what i my previous comment about them (laughs) um yeah but like they're getting a slice of this no doubt so it's all all interconnected okay but uh yeah uh to answer the actual question no i don't think i can see myself going back to the Avengers. i've been waiting for spider-man like that was the thing that from the day from day one i was like okay i'll come back when spider-man's in there but unless people rave about this expansion uh and unless people like you and jared and you know other people that i play games with benny i think we we rolled with a few times in in the avengers if if people get back on the train and try to pull me in then i'd i'd be up for it for the social reasons i even jumped into pokemon unite to play with you and nato and that's a game that i really don't have interest in at all it was just to to hang out with you guys so yeah i I can see that uh this could potentially bring me back but in it in and of itself it's not like i'm gonna go download it now and and just start playing it yeah what about you miss hardy you gonna download it and just start playing it are you you in finally (laughs) are you jumping on board the the avengers train no if hawkeye couldn't get me into it then nothing (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's true that's true i it's it's like we had the the highest of hopes for this game and um, they seem to be dwindling by the second. It's it's a very stark contrast to, I guess, the cinematic and screen-based worlds they're building out really, really well at the moment. The game itself has just uh, been a bit of a dog's breakfast, but uh, we'll see. May- maybe War for Wakanda will get a nice spike and build that player base back up and give this game some hope for the future, but I still feel that it's got maybe a year of life left in it. Maybe after you know the Spider-Man... Uh, release, which I'm assuming is probably going to tie in around the the next time, like the, around the um the movie release that we've got coming up with Tom Holland and Co. Mm. Uh, maybe they're going to try and sort of stealth release mm. it around that same time to do a little bit of yeah. co-op marketing. I think by that Outside point that, in time, like when Spider Man eventually comes out, there will be a bunch of new content for people like us that haven't played it for a couple of years that might be like oh let's jump back in and we've probably got like two or three nights worth of or maybe a week's worth of content to play through and it's it's you know because it's been a while since we've played it and might feel a bit new again and they mm. might have fixed a lot of the issues that we had way back when we were playing it all the time um so yeah getting that story related content is probably what would would draw me back in so i've got you know i'm not closing the book completely on this game i'll give it that much yeah, like I'd I'd like to go back, but I think it's going to be on the basis of going back with with friends. I'm not doing yeah. this solo. I've got zero interest yeah, in yeah. playing this game by myself. Nah, zero. Let's make a date. We'll do it. I've got a lot of interest though in Hawkeye. Obviously, this past week we have had confirmation that uh, the debut six episode first season or six episode run. It's not been confirmed if it's multi season yet. Will be launching on Disney Plus on November twenty four. Yeah of 2021 and it's going to be following the new normal now these wednesday episode release cycles 
I'm excited for this. No doubt, Miss Hart, you are keen as a bean for some Hawkeye. Super stoked. It looks like they've taken a lot of um, references from Matt Faction's um, Hawkeye comic. Um, I was always a bit hesitant um, about seeing um, Kate Bishop and seeing who was going to portray her because someone once planted in my mind that um, uh, Aubrey Plaza could do it. Um, however, everything that I've seen based on screenshots and sets and stuff like that, it's looking good. It's looking promising. So um, fingers crossed it's just as successful as all the other series that have been coming out. And hopefully it gets some people to grow to love Hawkeye and um, more of his backstory. It looks interesting. And I'm, I, I don't mind the casting. I like Hayley Steinfeld as an actress. She's, she's a talented talented uh starlet on screen and, and hopefully she does well in that role and uh yeah getting a bit of jeremy renner to ride shotgun with her and obviously some of the things that get alluded to in some of the other franchises i'm talking very broad stroke non-spoiler here um i'm excited for what could play out in hawkeye that's all i'm gonna say mm-hmm. because i don't want to spoil anything for anybody and i'm treading on a lot of eggshells right now so uh i'm excited for what could come out of these six episodes especially after what they've just done with with loki and and the other shows before that it's i'm, I'm really keen for phase four it's uh it's a good time to be a marvel fan i feel hmm. yeah they're they're doing some cool stuff with these tv shows and like this is similar for me to falcon and winter soldier where hawkeye is just one of those characters sorry ali that i just don't care about that much um, oh yeah the movies don't lead you to care about him yeah. based on the movies like he was cool in in endgame that was probably the most interesting he's ever been by a long way but um especially falcon and and um you know bucky the winter soldier i really didn't care about them as like characters as people and personalities and the tv show did a lot to flesh them out and give me some depth there and and kind of make me be interested okay maybe i would watch a movie with these guys mm-hmm. and it's a similar thing with with hawkeye where i love jeremy renner he's he's a talented dude so giving him some time to shine and uh if there's a bit of linda cardinelli in there too then that that's always a positive i'm a big fan of her over the years <laughs> she's a, she's a gorgeous woman yeah <laughs> and she's great like in 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 dramas and com- comedy yes. she's just got a really really good delivery she's very talented yeah going all the way back to freaks and geeks big fan of of linda so yeah that that can only be a positive if she's involved and yeah i think that um having that having that family man is a a rare kind of character for this universe like i think through all the heroes i'm thinking off the top of my head it's pretty rare in the mcu at least for there to be it's just the Hawkeye and Ant Man, really. Yeah, the only two. And he's the, the, and sort of the family Ant- men. And Ant Man's even like he's. I guess he's like the single father. Yeah. Like remarried, or I don't know exactly what the status Separated. is. Separated. With Waspy, with, with the Wasp. What uh, whatever she wants to do, I'd be like, yeah, I'm doing it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I guess like yeah, just uh, you know, it, it's great that there's a variety of characters in the universe, but. As someone that I, I did grow up in a nuclear family and I've, you know, got a wife and a kid, then yeah, give me give me some dad like <laughs> give me some dad jokes and dad vibes from uh <laughs> from Hawkeye and, and make him interesting and, and badass. I think it's gonna go well. I think it's gonna go go well. Like the the recent track record for what they're doing on Disney Plus, they're not only throwing a lot of money at these productions, but also the writing's usually on point, the acting, the mixture of sp- 
CGI and real effects has been really cool as well, where they are using real world locations to shoot a lot of this stuff and less dependent on the the green screen efforts. Mm. So uh, I'm keen as a bean to see where they go with this and, and can't wait for um, a bit of that in November. Like the back end of this year is going to be pretty bumper. This is going to just about take us up to uh, the, the drop of The Witcher Season 2. When this is going to end, The Witcher Season 2 is just starting uh, which gets me very excited for. So, uh, yeah, good time to be uh, pop culture fans. That's for damn sure. Okay, so moving into some more uh, deeper dives on some news doing the rounds. Uh, this one's called XCOM Give It To You. And uh, this past week, Microsoft reported its results for its fourth fiscal quarter with a jump in gaming revenues driven by hardware sales as CEO Satya Nadella dubbed the current Xbox Series X slash X S slash X generation as Microsoft's fastest selling consoles ever. Nadella confirmed the milestone during an earnings call transcribed by Seeking Alpha in which he said, also said millions in quotes of people have already used Xbox cloud gaming via a mix of desktop apps, uh, uh, via a mix of desktops, tablets, and phones. The call followed Microsoft's presentation of its financial results for the three months ended June 30, 2021, the final quarter of its current financial year. During this period, the firm's personal computing division, which includes Xbox, saw a 9% increase in revenue up to 14.1 billion US dollars overall. Gaming revenue in particular increased by 11%, up to $357 million for the quarter, primarily driven by an increase in Xbox hardware. Hardware revenue increased by 172% in Q4 due to a higher volume of Xbox consoles sold than the previous quarter. So my goodness, Microsoft and in a narrower lens, Xbox are doing well. It's awesome to see, and we're going to follow with some more positive news in a sec mm. on the other platform. Maybe, maybe, maybe I cover the other one, then we can sort of look at these yeah. in in a in a selected in in a sort of combined. So the next one, ten million reasons why. So uh, we're jumping from Team Green to Team Blue here. PlayStation Five is Sony's fastest selling games console after surpassing ten million sales worldwide. The new console reached the figure on July eighteenth, just under a month faster than the PlayStation Four managed. Other sales figures released by Sony includes that Spider-Man Miles Morales has sold over 6.5 million copies since its launch last year. PlayStation 5 exclusives Returnal, released in April, has exceeded 560,000 copies. And Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which was released last month, is in already over 1.1 million units worldwide. Meanwhile, Sony San Diego developed MLB The Show 2021, which was released on non-PlayStation platforms as well, has surpassed 2 million sales worldwide. The game actually has more than 4 million players, and that was included in the Xbox Game Pass service. So, Xbox, Sony, mm. next gen, now current gen, both kicking goals, both kicking ass. Awesome to see... Uh, where, where do you want to start with this? Miss Hart, where do you want to start? Where, where are we going to go? Do we, we got any blanket statements? What's, what's your thoughts? Overall, I think it's positive. Yeah, right? Overall, it's positive. I'm like, there's like, based on the year that we've all had, um, I, I am, I am curious how we've had seen an increase. Like it makes sense to have an increase if a lot of people are homebodies now and a lot of people will stay at home. So they took the opportunity to be, you know, take up on the new hardware and experience the new consoles, which also is a good reason for console sales to go up because it is the new, new, new. 
Um, but then, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because unfortunately there was a lot of um, economical turmoil, a lot of people losing their jobs and such. So I wasn't too sure if um, fancy expenditures were going to be in the mix. But based on this, it seems like everyone had just you know enough money just to buy a console or two to make this go like either way it's great like you don't want to see game consoles fail on either side of the fence competition's good um and it's just the up and up for gamers 100 percent. what do you reckon jp what, what are you going to add to this uh yeah. to this discussion well I, I think it's really interesting considering there has been that shortage of console availability that we i don't think we saw with the ps4 at the time and the know. xbox one and you know, you know from from your day job that there's been this chip shortage that's meant that it's very hard for uh, for the consoles to get made, and there's still a lot of people that are waiting for the chance to be able to to buy a PS5 or an Xbox Series X. So I think when you factor that in, it it shows the growth over time of of these consoles. You know the PlayStation Four is one of the best-selling consoles of all time. And over the, you know, five or six years since it came out, a lot of those people, I think that generation brought in a lot of new gamers as far as being uh, console gamers. So we're seeing, I think, some of those people jumping on this, you know, new console and and getting on top of it. And it's it's really, really cool, especially to see that, I don't know, know if Xbox compared it to previous consoles, but the the fact, uh, yeah, they did. They said it's the fastest selling, didn't they? So yeah, the fact yeah. that it's a a um a milestone for both of them is fantastic. I find it interesting that um, PlayStation went out there with the big ten million figure, which is obviously a big flex, and Xbox deliberately didn't mention their numbers. I think because they're slightly less there's an estimate i've got here from an industry analyst uh who says that uh, about 6.5 million for the x and s as of june 30 so that's probably based on like the profits there and they've done some calculations and tried to figure it out but um i I find it interesting considering how well the xbox has been doing with positive coverage with game pass that there's still such a wide gap like about three and a half million difference if if those numbers are to be believed and i wonder if that number will start to even out as xbox gives it to you and playstation (laughs) is less of the uh the the industry darling that Mm -hmm. it has been but um it's 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 just really hard to tell because obviously playstation has so many big hitters still to come as far as like big exclusives your god of wars and your uh, horizons and whatever else might be that's still to come so yeah I, I, i'm really curious how it's going to play out over the next few years in terms of that uh, that console war not that we we don't want to stoke like the fires between the fan bases but it's still interesting to to follow the the comparisons between the two yeah yeah like like i think i think the three of us here we're, we're, we're neutral gamers for the most part i, I obviously Ali and myself, we we have both platforms where you're just on the PlayStation yep. 5 train at the moment. But I know you've been leaning more and more towards picking up at least an S. So you've got a, a Game Pass machine for future. Um, and uh, Leaning towards the cloud service if, okay. if it's an option. 
potentially to play some of those exclusives. Yeah. Yeah. D- depending obviously on your internet connection out your way, but yeah. it is an option and, and it could be a smart play mm. getting on, getting on xCloud with Game Pass. But um, yeah, I think we might see a little bit more parity over the next few years. Like Sony, Sony is certainly the the biggest dog in this race at the moment from a, from a unit's perspective. And, and Microsoft have always been sneaky like this. They never... They never really break it down to we've sold X amount of consoles. It's all always this holistic number with a dollar value attached. And yeah, so Sony's winning this race and, and it's surprising. And I guess maybe it's a little bit naive, at least from my side now, where uh, you, you just assume because it's been nine months coming towards 10 months now since these consoles have come out, you'd think they're just going to be out in the wild and you can just find them on yeah. the shelf. But yeah, like they like my day to day, yeah. The the shortages on chips, on silicons, on plastics, and things like that in in all types of technology manufacture are just running rampant, and it changes by the day. Like you could like in like you know behind the curtain on my day to day, I'll quote a job for for a heap of CCTV security cameras. Talk to the to vendor that morning. Yep, we can supply them in three weeks. Rah rah rah. Cool, happy days. I'll quote it. I'll come back to him the next day and be like, "Hey, we've just won this job. Need to place this order." And they, oh, by the way, now it's now twelve weeks because the components we had aside just got pulled or got sold to another another vendor, another unrelated industry, and so it's this very much sort of seesawing on the daily as far as how this thing goes. So it's awesome to see Sony and Microsoft be able to keep a steady flow of consoles into the market where global global shortages on components are impacting everything, and yet both these releases are seeing in air quotes fastest selling consoles ever for for both respective brands. So that's cool to see. And as you said JP, like we've got we've got some fantastic titles out for both of these platforms, but I think moving into year 2 and year 3 is where we're really going to see these big games start to come out and a lot more uptake on these consoles where where these numbers of, you know, 6.5 million-ish and then your 10 million, that could potentially double at least over the next year or so when you're seeing uh you know new horizon with halo infinite coming out with with new bethesda game x with god of war with all these other awesome titles coming where you know that might be their only release that they buy some of these gamers and and now their their darling has hit the platform so they're going to go out and get the playstation 5 the xbox series Mm -hmm. s or x so it's it's awesome to see it's impressive that they've stayed ahead of the the manufacturing curve because industries are crippled with component shortages. But um, yeah, hats off and a and a cheers to both Sony and Microsoft for their successes and for those that have got the consoles, awesome. For those that are still trying, keep trying because um, you know they're doing these little little guerrilla shipments every couple of weeks to various stores. So you, you might get lucky and snap one up from your local JB or um, your local GameStop or wherever you are in the world, you know, just, just keep your eyes, eyes peeled and your ears to the ground and you'll, uh, you'll get your hands on a copy of these consoles eventually and um, be able to play some cool games on there. It's like, uh, it's like trying to get a vaccine in Australia. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't get me up. started. Don't get me started. I'm, uh, I'm working through that process at the moment and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that I'll, I'll get rubber stamped in the next week or so mm. because I sort of qualify essential. depending on the day as a quasi-essential frontline worker because I do go into health and aged care facilities for site audits. So fingers crossed they'll, they'll give me the green light and I can um, get me some Pfizer. Otherwise, I guess I could get AstraZeneca this week, but I'm still like, mm, I'm still scared. I'm still scared. It's okay. I got it. 
you'll be right. All right. So the last uh, the last bit of news we're bringing to the table. We are a little bit late to this, obviously, because we were very embedded with uh, THG two fifty shenanigans. So we're doing a little bit of an update and a pseudo recap as far as the situation that's occurring currently with Activision Blizzard. And we've titled this one, It's Hard to Have Vision When You Are Stuck in a Blizzard. And the first part of this uh, very, very long, very dense articles that we've taken, we've grabbed some of the best verbiage from uh, gamesindustry.biz and sort of just compressed it down into a more palatable uh, situation here. Um, Goes like this. Current and former Ubisoft employees have spoken out in support of Activision Blizzard staff and demand an industry-wide collaboration on improving how reports of harassment, sexual misconduct, and more are handled. The letter has been signed by almost 500 people, including signatories from 32 of Ubisoft studios around the world. The letter calls for, in quotes, real fundamental changes, in quotes, not just as Ubi- at Ubisoft and Activision Blizzard, but across the games industry, demanding that those responsible are held accountable for their actions. The group proposes deliberation from industry leaders to establish a set of rules and processes for handling reports of such offences involving staff in non-management roles as well as union representatives. The letter claims not enough has been done to address long-known issues. Despite the publisher's promises of change, not enough has been done to address the original issues. We have seen nothing more than a year of kind words, empty promises, and an inability or unwillingness to remove known offenders, the group wrote. We no longer trust your commitment to address these issues at their core. You need to do more, end quote. The letter mentioned training sessions that go ignored by the people who need them the most, as well as reassurances and kind words that amount to nothing. They also demand that offenders be removed from the company, as well as anyone complicit in or willfully ignorant of the actions of others. So jumping forward, this Ubisoft news came on the back of the huge amount of our public outcry regarding Activision Blizzard and just the general horrific treatment of staff and and there's so much out there on the internet you could you could google we might chuck a couple of of good explanations in the show notes to get deeper dives if you wanted it sort of breaking down this thing from a minute to minute and fact-based situation but we'll give you a very compressed follow-up on the back of that and we'll just sort of then unpack it as a as a trio here So as of writing or as of recording, over 3,800 current and former Activision Blizzard staff signed their own open letter decreeing the publisher's response to the lawsuit filed by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. The suit accused the publisher and its in quotes frat boy culture of creating an environment where discrimination and harassment is rampant and largely unpunished. Claims the publisher dismissed as distorted and in many cases false. Staff also organized a walkout this past week as a further sign of protest demanding major changes to the company and how it handles such situations. CEO Bobby Kotick eventually responded the day before the walkout, acknowledging the initial response has been, in quote, tone deaf. He announced the third-party law firm has been commissioned to review the company's policies and processes, promising decisive action for offenders and termination for managers that have previously impeded the process. So the short version before I chuck it out to you very intelligent co-hosts of mine is that Activision Blizzard have been a dumpster fire for quite a long time. There's been a lot of situations reported, shared on social media of staff, both current and former, 
dealing with a slew of harassment, discrimination, and various other situations that no one should be part of, but it seemed to happen on the regular. And then it also then got dismissed by people in positions of power and nothing had been since done. But the the games industry has sort of, I guess, united on mass on the back of this, as well as on obviously the ongoing situations with Ubisoft. And then other situations at various other studios and houses around the world to try and unify and make something of this and make some positive change for the industry both now and into the future. So it's been a very, very intense couple of weeks reading some of the, uh, the, the shares from staff as far as them recounting situations and scenarios they've been in. It's tough to read and it's disgusting behavior and it's rampant through a lot of these studios and hopefully this is the start of getting the broom put through these places people are held accountable whether it be criminal charges faced on certain types of situations that have been um uh, you know discussed and, and revealed and um yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping that this is the first step to some true positive change and not just this sort of window dressing you know bubbly quotes of change that these studios throw out there when these scenarios happen. So, Miss Hart, what do you think about this? Uh, uh, it's it's hard to be optimistic because this kind of culture is everywhere. Um, it's not just exclusively to the, you know, gaming industry. It's pretty much every single, like, work environment that you've probably been involved with, whether it be little companies or big companies. Um, there's usually some kind of form of... Uh, frat culture or boys club as sometimes it's referred to as and um uh, in regards to changes happening there's usually ways that companies usually can find a way around it like ubisoft has been mentioned they were meant to you know take a stand based on their previous offenses but i believe some of the people that were involved were just moved elsewhere in the company as opposed to actually getting fired or getting um punishment of any variety they just got moved around um so um, the ubisoft employees are already still not happy on how they approach that situation so with this one with activision and blizzard i think the only reason why it's being taken a little bit more seriously is because um the, the california department of fair employment and housing has actually gotten involved so i guess then only now people are taking it seriously um the stories that you hear from you know, current and previous employees are just horrible. Um, I'd hate to say mm-hmm. that not a lot of them don't surprise me. There are some really serious ones that do surprise me and are absolutely shocking. But um, for a good chunk of it, it's not surprising to me at all. Yeah, it's a um, it's it's disgusting reading and and seeing these stories shared out there, and and you know the hearts break seeing that people are going through this. And some that are still continuing to go through this just due to fear of speaking out or fear of losing their job in this climate. So it's it's tough. JP, what, what do you think about all this? Have you been sort of up to date on, on these situations and um, how it's all playing out? Yeah, I haven't deep dived into some of the like specifics of people's stories. I just know that like I don't need to know the specifics. I just know that it's bad and it has to change and that the people responsible need to be dealt with and as far as these letters i think i I just hope something comes of it you know we've seen in recent months like for example you had the 
the IGN letter that went up in the games industry. People will know about this one where they demanded some kind of response from their higher ups about removing a political story related to the uh, Palestine Israel conflict and they kind of made some demands there and I'm pretty sure correct me if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure nothing happened as a result of that so it was essentially weightless in its in its protest and I'm not saying that's gonna happen here but I think because of the power imbalance here between you know the corporate you know conglomerate versus the, the the staff even if they are numbering in the hundreds or the thousands it's so easy to sign your name on something it's it's essentially effortless and therefore it can be interpreted as weightless so i think they really do need to follow through with potentially something that that hurts the the share market the the share price the the bottom dollar to to show that they're willing to affect the company until justice is served to them and it's a it's a difficult thing because it's their job that you're talking about you want the company that you work for to be profitable and successful and that's tied up into your own well-being but at the same time it it just something has to change and how else can you protect not only yourselves your colleagues your friends but the future people that are in those positions Mm. future generations of people and I think it has to, yeah, it really has to hurt the company in some way for them to actually react. Because up until now, it's been exactly what they said. It's been promises. I can just imagine, you know, we're doing training for people to to um, learn what's acceptable workplace behavior. And then obviously the managers and the CEOs or whoever it is that's that's been uh, at fault haven't had to mandatorily be involved in that or they have continued to, to do what they've done. Or as Ali said, they've been moved or promoted or, or shipped to another area. So yeah, I just think that um, what they're asking for is perfectly reasonable as far as uh, some kind of like committee that involves non-management and union representatives. I'm not like a big union, like give all the power to the union kind of guy. But I think in a circumstance like this, where there is a clear issue and a clear systematic problem that you just have to involve people that will be independent and make sure that and will fight for for the justice that's needed and that's where like you said the california um the lawsuit is going to be a big factor in this like without the lawsuit it's just another company group of employees coming out and saying that there's culture issues and the Mm. the head of the the studio saying you know we're aware that there's been some issues and we're dealing with it and we strive to do better like it's Again, like it's it's even more weightless than some of the the protests or the the open letters. To just say something like that, it means really nothing. And it, we've seen it like in, you know, Ali, Ali alluded to issues outside of the games industry. Whether it's um, like in my space, I work in healthcare, which has a far greater balance of of gender, and I would say that there's not really any like i've never i've worked with mostly females personally and it's it's completely different but at the same time there's issues where like it might be like in, like lgbt inclusivity or responding to family violence and like there's these other kinds of issues where it's like okay even though we're not actively hurting anyone we need to do better to protect people 
and how can we ingrain that into every facet of the company and the workplace it's through like training and it's through the managers doing the training and it's through the managers like it starts at the top and it works all the way down so i think that that's just such an important part of changing like long term the cultures of these different um, industries and these different companies is to get rid of the rot and replace it with with people that um, are gonna do everything they can not the bare minimum they can to protect their staff yeah hopefully this is some positive change for good yeah it feels like this this lawsuit that the california department of fair employment and housing is sort of behind it feels like there's enough weight in that to make some positive change instead of it just being a nice media release with some pr spin about we're sorry we're going to do better it feels like there's going to be some some change in the future where it's like do better or otherwise we're going to fine you we're yeah. going to you know bring criminal actions towards the people that are responsible in these situations so i'm hoping that this is the the first step towards real change in this space because yeah you hear a lot of the we're sorry you know <laughs> that kind of cliched nonsense we'll do better you know slap us on the hand bad bad me you know for for being so ignorant i didn't know that that sexualizing a staff member is bad you know sorry i know better now i've done i've done that kind of that training module online so i'm cured like make some genuine change and and as you said jp cut out the rot you know head let the heads roll get these big fat cats that are complicit in this stuff out of there you know find them fire them bring criminal charges on them if if applicable that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping that we do see some change for good. And and it feels, at least on the Activision Blizzard side, industry-wide, this seems like the biggest sort of realignment with with values across whether it be fans mm. of the games that Activision Blizzard make, whether it be media coverage as well. Like a lot of studios are standing up and saying, hey, we're... We're stopping coverage of these games until things have changed in Activision Blizzard. So uh, until that day, you know, we're not going to talk about upcoming releases or news or or things related to these hubs. So it's good to see that industries are unified on that front and, uh, you know, standing together and saying, yeah, your, your PR spin's not enough. We want real change. We want accountability and we want to get rid of this, in air quotes, frat boy culture that runs rampant in this industry as well as a lot of other other industries. So fingers crossed, Miss Hart, um, that we get some change and some real change for not only the short term but long term. Just remember too, it's one thing to be the people that are like causing the action, saying the bad things, and it's another thing to be a person that's witnessed it and didn't say anything. So, 100%, yeah. If, if you see a colleague, a friend, a family member a random person on the street, like if you're on the train, you're at a restaurant and you see someone acting poorly and berating, doing doing anything derogatory towards another person, say something about it because if, if you're not going to be the change, then you're part of the problem. All right. Let's uh let's change change the tone and change the gears here and jump into this. Sweet of the week. And this is a different kind of sadness uh, on the back of that previous uh, bit of news that we unpacked. And uh, this tweet comes via Jason Schreier on Twitter. 
and the tweet reads, Sony has delayed the PlayStation exclusive Horizon Forbidden West to the first quarter of 2022, a source tells Bloomberg, confirmed, confirming a rumor shared by Jeff Grubb yesterday. So we're talking Australian Friday, American Thursday, the latest in the video game industry's cascade of 2021 delays. So I'm not surprised by this. I assumed this was going to occur because when they did that big... 10 plus minutes sort of unveil at the, the most recent state of play. Uh, there was no mention of dates. There was no, not even, you know, holiday 2021. There was none of that. So it just felt that this was going to fall into 2022. And maybe it's going to come out around February when um, First Horizon Zero Dawn dropped. And it sucks, but it's how the world is right now. It's tough to do your normal day-to-day with COVID and this constant changing of work from home, work from the office, you know, outbreaks, staff shortages, so on and so forth. So it sucks, but it's necessary. And I've still got gorillas back and I'm not going to be throwing stones here. Take as long as you need. I'm going to wait, but yourselves, you want to add anything else on top of that one? Uh, it's, it's something that I, like you said, it's not shocking. It's um, a li- it's like a tiny bit unexpected to me just because I've uh, been taking it on good faith that what they've said is true. And like at that point when they released that big trailer, they said it was on pace to release as planned, which had been said as 2021. So I was holding on to that little nugget, that little quote to say like, okay, it's, you know, it has, it's not looking like it's going to be delayed. It's still technically coming out this year according to you know uh herman holtz or whoever it was at that point in time and it looks like i guess since then things have you know not come together as the way that they may have hoped maybe it's covid maybe it's other issues um so yeah it's, it's a little bit of a bummer but it's a game worth waiting for absolutely and you know it's nothing to get upset about because you know it's like they're pushing it back a year or anything it's for all we knew it was going to come out in December and now it's coming out in Jan, Feb, March. Like it's, it's not, you know, yeah, the big deal. And from looking at things like cyberpunk last year, there's been cases where a game of this scale, you just want it to have the time it needs to, to bake in the oven and come out fully formed and, uh, as something that won't, won't have any really regrets over, over that release that like mm. that that choice of, of of release window yeah yeah no one wants a runny cake they no. want that cake nice and moist and delicious yeah. and that's what this is going to be when it comes out next year miss hart are you going to be okay to wait until potentially february march for horizon forbidden west are you going to be all right i'll be fine <laughs> Well, us, us HZD super fans here, two-thirds of us at least, uh, we're going to be all right. We're going we're gonna to survive. We're going to make it through. We've got Halo Infinite to see us, see us over that holiday period. Maybe we'll still be slapping through Deathloop and stuff like that. So there, there's plenty of games on the way still. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're looking for games and things of note to sink your time into in the shorter term, New releases and events. Obviously, if you listen to this right now, uh, THG251 dropped on Monday, the 2nd of August. My God, it is August tomorrow, people. What the hell? The world slows for no one. It's insane. It is absolutely insane. And um, on the back of that, yeah, 
THE251 is in your ear holes right now. If not, you'd never hear this statement. It wouldn't make any sense if you heard that on somewhere else. But uh, Tuesday the 3rd, it's going to see the latest episode of Hoop Dreams dropping on the airwaves. Wednesday the 4th sees not only the latest episode of Is This Thing On? Kofi podcast exclusive available for our Kofi fans and subscribers over at ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-bit as well as the next episode of Australia's John O'Peck's Comedy Rewind which sees Stephen from Player 2 joining Jono in the co-host chair to talk about a fantastic film known as Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm. Love that movie. Yeah. Love that movie. It's a good one. It's a good one. And it's one that uh, I'm looking forward to talking about later today, in fact. So by the time people are hearing this, it will be only a couple of days away. Ooh, nice. Are you a Forgetting Sarah Marshall fan, Miss Hart? You like that movie? I watched it once and liked it, but I never went back to it. <laughs> Ah, you're you're a fan of Alder Snow? (laughs) What? She's going to say... What? What? Also, excuse me, coming out this week, Suicide Squad hitting the cinemas. Early reviews are in and it is getting a lot of positive press. Looks like James Gunn has hit this sucker out of the park. We can forget about the first iteration of this movie. Chuck it in the trash with all those scumbags from Activision Blizzard and uh, get excited for Suicide Squad this week. I cannot wait for this. I'm going to watch this Thursday night, putting it out there. Anyone in Brisbane wants to come watch it with me, come along. Otherwise, I'm going by myself because solo movie sessions are the business. JP, you need to do them. I was trying to get you to do it for Space Jam 2, but now you're going to do it with a friend, which is fine, but... Solo movie sessions. Hey, you ain't going to them. Space Jam by yourself. Mate, I'll go watch anything by myself. <laughs> I went to Pokemon. I went to Detective Pikachu by myself. Uh, I, I, I go to movies by myself. I just don't want to go to Space Jam by myself. <laughs> you need to I feel like it's the kind of movie. It's the kind of movie where you want to look at the person next to you and like roll your eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Based off what I've heard. Yeah, hold, or hold your hand. Yeah. Miss Hart, are you lining up day one to watch a bit of Suicide Squad? You're going to be checking it out I this mean, week? It's, I think it's available to stream same day as theatres, right? We don't get that option over here we because cause it's normal uh, again. Yeah, so I'll yeah. probably be watching it at home. Like, truth be told, we actually got invited to a screening last night, um, but Ooh. it was like one of those like fan ones, first in, you know, gets in kind of thing like that, and yeah, we weren't going to be up for that. But that's okay. Mm. We'll stream it at home. I cannot pizza. wait for this cannot wait mm-hmm. um i'm very very excited and then um you know that fo- that excitement will then follow into friday where we're going to get the long-awaited cocktail club debut for miss ali hart mm. the nice. one that uh you and benny broke down some margarita discussion yeah. uh making its way to the 8-bit cast rss feed on friday the 6th and also Unrelated to podcast. Oh, I was. I guess it's very much related to podcasting. But uh, Jono and myself are doing an <laughs> Audio Technica takeover on their social media this week as well. If you've still got time to head on over to Audio Technica AU on Instagram or Twitter to drop your questions in, and you can go in the running to win an AT twenty twenty USB plus microphone. There's two to give away, so chuck your questions in there, and we'll be tackling all those and more later on this week so get excited for that 
Um, as far as games that are coming out this week as well, uh, Grime is dropping on <laughs> Stadia and PC on August the 2nd. Lemnus Gate is dropping on everything on August the 3rd. The Ramp, PC, August the 3rd. Never heard of The Ramp. Can someone Google what The Ramp is and tell me mm-hmm. if it's actually just a game about one ramp? I'd love to know if it's just a ramp. Dungeon Defenders Awakens dropping uh, Awakened droppings on the Switch August the 4th. My Time at Porsche dropping on mobile on August the 4th. And the Falconeer making its way finally to the PlayStation 4 and 5, as well as the Switch on August the 5th. So uh, not a huge variety of games out there dropping this week. So I just suggest uh, dropping that 20 bucks on Trigger Witch on yes. those platforms and playing that instead. The ramp. Absolutely. The ramp is a skateboarding game. Oh, okay. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was going to be like a, a like a, a fantasy game where it's just about the stories and scenarios of a, of a, of a ramp. I don't know why. I just didn't <laughs> okay. think of it ever as a skateboarding game. I was thinking BMX, but uh, close. 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 Closer than Berlin. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that, uh, that brings us to the end of THG 251. Um, Jono, have you got anything you'd like to say or share before we turn these mics off for another week? Not really, just uh, want to reiterate thanks for having me on and thanks to everyone that's been supportive with Trigger Witch and picking it up and enjoying it so far. There's plenty of uh, podcast appearances either this week that have already been or coming soon. If you want to hear me talk about the game even more than you have today, including that one that I mentioned with uh, House of Mario coming up with the spoiler cast. So um, yeah, plenty uh, plenty of, of uh, Trigger Witch extracurricular if you so desire 110 percent. what about you miss hard anything you want to say before we shut this sucker down just everyone go watch suicide squad give it the love it needs yes yes and um buy popcorn but maybe bring your own candy because it's expensive at the movies you don't want to you don't skimp on your popcorn but if you can sneak a bag of maltesers or peanut m&ms in or whatever it might be do that because you're going to save yourself a bucket load of johnny cash i used to be a sour skittles person to the movies yeah. Ooh, yeah, I don't mind Skittles. Original M&M's though, in just the bin. No, just nothing too noisy, people. Mm. But those bags they're noisy. are noisy. Yeah, they're totally Skittles. noisy. <laughs> yeah, but you just you just wait for like a loudish moment to, to make you pour. Mm. No, you just, just got to be smart <laughs> Tactical about it. Tactical pouring. Just, especially in the quiet place part two. Oh my day, God. I was like very self-conscious of making food-related noises. It's the first time I think in my whole life of eating popcorn one kernel at a time. <laughs> it's just like, oh, like just a little stealth chew. It took me so long to get through my popcorn. I still did it, but yeah, it's uh, just like suck it through your teeth instead. Just- oh, <laughs> I love popcorn. Anyway, Ape Nation, thanks for stopping on by. Be sure to rate, view, subscribe us as well as all the other podcasts you listen to on the Reg on Apple Podcasts, on your podcast player of choice because those ratings and views help keep the emotional lights on in our hearts. But until next time, Open Nation, where we come at you for the world first episode 252 of the Hungry Amos podcast. Much love. Stay humble. Stay hungry. Stay horny. And stay hydrated. Yeah, definitely. Definitely stay hydrated. Listening to the Hungry and Horny. Games, one of many gaming and geek culture related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.